Good evening, and thank you for joining me for episode five of Burn Ambition Layer Cake. I'm going to start just legit with y'all. I feel like I need to just like say some kind of prayer. I'm so frustrated with what just happened trying to to log on. I felt like, wow, I just, I need to start 20 minutes in advance to log on. I let someone use my computer and you know how you get those things in you and it's like, oh, it's their fault. But it's really not. I should have checked it ahead of time my computer. I'm the professional. So at any rate, I am very happy to be here today. I hope you all had a wonderful Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. And um, I am Burn Beauty 2018. And this week's episode is titled, May I Please Go Back to the Burn Unit? And, you know, if you're watching on YouTube right now, it's a good time to um, hit the subscribe button and get notifications so that you catch all the episodes. And if you're watching on Facebook, it's a good time to follow Thorn Beauty 2018. We're just giving a few minutes for people to log on, but it's a good time to follow Thorn Beauty 2018 where I podcast and um, on both do makeup tutorials and things. Um, before I begin, I would also like to offer you a trigger warning um, because this show is not completely scripted. Um, it um, Sometimes I'm just coming straight from my heart and it might be um, a sensitive sensitive area for you if you're watching. So um, I bet that if you're a burn survivor or a trauma survivor, you completely understand the title of this week's show. May I please just go back to the burn unit? You know, um, if you're family or a caregiver of a survivor, trauma or burn or anything else, you may not understand. Why would they want to go back? What's this thing? You know, what, what, what is it? Well, you know, where we left off last week, I was in, um, I had just been taken back to the emergency room at the hospital because a very astute young gentleman, young paramedic or EMT that was picking me up to take me for a swallow test, just happened to notice that I appeared to be very, very ill while, um, while I was at this physical Rio facility. And he and his partner, um, they were there just simply to transport me to the hospital, which was about an hour and a half away, um, to take a swallow test because I, I couldn't eat or drink. But they made a decision to take me to the emergency room there instead. And when I tell you that they saved my life by doing so, they saved my life by doing so. And, and one thing that bothers me is that I don't know either of their names, or at least I can't remember their names. You know, I was in a bad situation. It was, you know, they knew my, my blood pressure was low and I'd had a fever all weekend and the nurses, the weekend nurse at the um, 
at the um, physical rehab had just been giving me Tylenol. I've been laying in bed feeling like I was going to die. And when these paramedics got there, they checked the vitals and, you know, they, you know, things weren't right. And they told me, you know, you've got to go, you know, you've got to forget your swallow test. And I was like, well, please call them because I was so scared about being a no-show. You know, I'm still worried about being polite. And I don't realize that I'm literally there dying. Um, I, I, you know, I'd been sick the whole weekend and I thought that I had um, pneumonia again. And I'll tell you now that it ended up being that I was septic and they were giving me Tylenol to lower the fever and nothing else. They had not called the doctor in to see me. They had done nothing, but, you know, I, I can say that I felt sicker. I felt very sick and, and, you know, that was something for me. And when I had first gotten to the rehab, my scalp had started itching really badly within about a few days of being there. And I couldn't scratch it because my arms would only get about, not even this close, about this close to my head, you know, this, this far away. I couldn't scratch, I couldn't touch my face, nothing because of contractures. And do you know, I didn't even think of telling the emergency room doctor about that itchy scalp. I had been asking people to scratch it, strangers. It was so itchy that I would literally ask a stranger just to scratch my scalp. You know, just just please scratch it, it's so bad. And I didn't think of telling the emergency room doctor who was going over my whole body, asking me all sorts of questions, you know, and she can't find anything. Well, that's because um, I had a fungus on my mouth that I contracted. I, I can only assume at the, uh, when I got to the physical rehab and you know, like dandruff is a fungus, but this was like, it was bad. It was a fungus that normally doesn't um, colonize human beings, doesn't normally colonize humans because the human immune system would normally squash it. But I was so weak that I couldn't do that. So, you know, there I was, I've, I've got this on my scalp, but I don't think of telling the doctor. And my head had been shaved when I first got to the hospital, when I was first burned. Um, it had been shaved um, because I had a weave in, and that actually saved my scalp from being burned. The, the cornrows that they put in your hair and the tracks of hair actually saved my real hair and real scalp. So, you know, I didn't tell this doctor that, you know, my head's been itchy or she would have looked in there because my hair was short and it was pretty dense and thick and curly um, because it had, it was growing back. I didn't think to tell her. And, you know, we continued on. My husband didn't even think to tell her after he got there. And we continued on and they um, admitted me to the infectious disease floor. And um, 
again, I thought I had pneumonia. I thought the whole thing was weird. I was like, why are we going to this war? It was just all very confusing. Very, very confusing. And and I was like, why can't I just go back to the burn unit? Well, because the problem you have now is not a burn unit problem. And I couldn't understand that. I mean, I'm burned. Every, every problem is a burn unit problem, right? Well, no, it's not. And they kept me on the 12th floor and they were wonderful there. Um, the, they, I still didn't tell anybody about the itching. It got worse and worse until, I hope you guys aren't squeamish, it got worse and worse until one day um, there were actual pieces of mold on the back of my head where I would lay on the pillow. And I didn't know it. I couldn't feel it. I didn't have the right sensation and I couldn't touch it. And um, it had gotten so itchy that my husband had gotten me like a fine tooth comb you know, about that long. And that would help me. I was getting better. I could scratch at my head. And one day I scratch and this hunk of nasty comes out. And I'm telling you right now that just to tell you about it, I feel humiliated. I was like, how could I be so dirty? You know, they were giving me baths in the bed every day and I was taking showers at the rehab. But this just made me feel filthy. And because of that shame, I the next morning, the doctor comes in and I don't tell her about what happened. You know, my husband had just pulled pieces of this cladosporium off my head that were between the size of a quarter and a 50 cent piece. It was disgusting. I, I hope y'all don't think less of me. It was... <laughs> It was so bad. And and then to top it all off, there was also MRSA and strep present from where people had been scratching it for me. Of course, people had been scratching it wearing a glove, but I didn't really understand why no one felt something in my head, but they didn't. You know, and just the whole thing, it's just, I'm not going to talk about that part anymore because... I really felt humiliated, but, you know, the next morning I told, um, you know, my, my doctor about it because they had been thinking that it was because of the tube that was going up my nose and down my throat. I had had that for about six months and you should only have one for about two weeks in a normal cycle. And, um, but in the burn unit, they don't do it quite that way. They just do whatever they need to do. So they thought, well, that I must have an infection from this tube being up my nose and down my throat. And, you know, all I had told the doctor the next morning was that I thought I had scalp fungus. And she took out a glove, felt all over my head. She didn't look, she didn't pull the hair apart and look, but she felt my head. She's like, I agree. We'll get you some ketoconazole and put it on there. And, um, so they, they came that day and my husband washed my hair. He got a bucket. He followed the directions. He washed it. He let it sit and everything. And it was still, it was so painful. There were just parts of this stuff built up on my head that were like that thick. And then, um, yeah, St. Lemursa is no joke. It, it is no joke.
It is no joke. You're so sick. And then you've got this hungus, and you got the strep. But still, I'm embarrassed. What in the world? I don't say, look, we put these things in a cup. Look what came off my head. That would have changed everything. You know, God, you know, thinking about it, God has really got me. Because I didn't do what I needed to do. And I still was able to get through somehow. So, you know, telling, you know, telling the doctor that I've got this and, you know, she gives me the ketoconazole, but they're still on the path of, you know, it's the feeding tube causing all the problems. So a gastroenterologist had come into the room that day and had said, um, well, you know, I had talked about getting a GI tube, which is a tube that goes straight into your stomach, just a hole right through your skin, directly into your stomach. And you have a tube. Your stomach is here, the tube, here's your skin. And then there's a little, um, like a little, just a little system there where you can push food or water or medication in with a syringe. And you can also shut this valve off so that juices don't leave the stomach. So she told me about it. I was like, okay. Well, then later that night, the nurse comes in and says, well, we've got to get you prepped for surgery in the morning. I'm like, what? And she's like, well, didn't you talk to Dr. So-and-so? And I was like, well, yeah, but I, you know, I didn't realize I was going to surgery in the morning. I thought we were talking about it, thinking about it. You know, and this, I don't blame this on the doctor at all. I blame this on me being heavily medicated and my husband not quite understanding. He was really taken aback by us being back in the hospital and what was going on. We just were not understanding. So, okay, the next morning we go and I'm going to um, the... Um, surgery and uh, thank you all uh, i'm gonna post all stuff and i'm gonna keep going for the podcast idea of it but uh thank you all i couldn't do it without you but um yeah, so, so you know i'm going to get the the gi tube okay here we go i'm scared um and uh yeah love you i'm scared as I've been the whole six months. And I go down and run the gastrointestinal floor and I meet what I can only describe as the devil incarnate and as a nurse. Now, my daughter is a nurse. I love nurses. I wish I could have been a nurse, but this lady, there was something wrong. You know, I, I get into the room, the doctor's great. He tells me, you know, the procedure, you know, it's only going to take about 20 minutes to get this tube directly in my stomach. And, um, you know, so I'm okay. I'm, I'm scared, but I'm okay. And they come in, they put a different trach in that has a balloon that keeps the air down. And when you have a balloon in your trach and it's inflated, then air can't go across your vocal cords. You can't speak. So I can't talk. And this nurse is on the phone behind me after the doctor leaves, talking about her car, yelling at her mechanic. She's very unhappy. 
And then she come, I'm laying on the table and scared to death. She comes to me and says, oh, your nurse from the 12th floor, who's very caring, called down and said that you have anxiety. You know, now keep in mind the doctor has already told me that they give you some sort of twilight medicine. You're awake for this surgery, but you're in twilight. You don't know what's going on. Well, she didn't give me any. She wouldn't give it to me. So the doctor comes in and he's ready to operate and I'm wide awake and um, I'm wide awake. Thank you. And the doctor asked the nurse, you know, did you give her her medicine? And she, oh yeah, I gave it to her. And I managed to mouth the words to him. No, she didn't because I couldn't make a sound. And he said, well, she's saying you didn't do it. And she's wide awake. And instead of waiting, he said, well, it'll take about 20 minutes for the medicine to kick in. She's going to go ahead and give it to you. But I'd just been told a little bit before that the whole surgery only takes 20 minutes. And he said, I promise I won't let you hurt. I promise I won't let you hurt. And I believed him. But. You know, he starts with a needle that's about this long and there's several of them and he's putting it directly into my stomach. And, you know, he's got to make room, take an x-ray, make sure he's in my stomach, then get the tube, you know, straight through your skin and your fat and your muscle. You've got to open everything up to get it in there. And I'm feeling it. You know, I've got pain medicine, so I'm not feeling it 100%, but I'm not relaxed. I'm not in twilight. I'm not okay. And all of a sudden, I just turned my head. I, I'll never forget it. I turned my head and I just vomit, just projectile vomit. And it goes straight at the doctor. And he panicked for a minute. He said, this surgery needs to be over right now. Because to make things worse, I had been given. see myself okay that was weird so if things go bad it's been storming here and windy i hope y'all are still there um if i lose electricity i'm just done i don't know what that was but i'm very anxious about it at this point so at any rate let me let me speed this up so we get done with the procedure. I vomit at the guy. He's terrified. The nurses are literally arguing with each other. There's two in the room. They're arguing with each other. They hate each other. One is a big man. One is a little lady. And um, there's profanity. And so I get through the surgery. She takes me on my bed. She starts wheeling me through the hospital. She's so mad at me for telling the doctor that she didn't give me my medicine. I don't know if she took my medicine or I don't know what, I don't know what my medicine is, I don't care. But she's not gonna tell the doctor that she gave me medicine that she didn't. But she's so mad at me that she takes my chart and she throws it down on the floor. The other nurse is like, seriously? And he picks it up and um, 
he puts it back in the bed, and here we go. We're whizzing through the hall, wall, hall um, through the halls. Thank you so much, Samantha. We're whizzing through, and we go to the recovery bay, which is just a lot of slots with um, some curtains up. And she puts me in one, and the nice recovery nurse, you know, I'm feeling relieved. It's like, God. But the lady in charge, she's like, well, there's no nurse working this bay, so we'll put her in one down here. And this nurse that's rolling me, the, the devil nurse is what I've been calling her for four years, um, ask her, she's like, hold the curtain open, and the nurse doesn't hear her. So she proceeds to push me in my bed just straight through the curtain. And that doesn't sound that bad, but I just had surgery. It's going over my face. It's going over my you know, where they just operated, and it's just this big, heavy curtain going over me. And we go through that, and then she puts me in another bay where um, nobody is working again, and she just leaves. Bye. <laughs> Bye. I can't speak. My trach is still inflated. There's a curtain. Nobody knows I'm in there. So I wait a while. I'm in this severe pain. I can't walk. I can't get up. And finally somebody peeks in and I'm waving my arms and, you know, and I'm like sh trying to show them morphine, morphine. And they got me some. And then they got my husband who had been looking for me the whole time. You know, he had been in recovery looking for me. And um, it was just, it was the only bad experience I ever had at Grady. Um, not the only bad experience, but the only bad experience I ever had that wasn't just a normal experience, a normal happening. And I, otherwise, everything was always wonderful. So I don't mean to make it sound that way. But after that, I was very apprehensive. I already had enough PTSD from, you know, having my skin debridements and things like that. And what I want you to understand, if you are... Um, a patient right now in the burn unit or you're, you have been or you have family in the burn unit is that the PTSD caused by the treatment is really equally as bad as the PTSD caused by the fire. And I just wanted my burn unit. I felt like all these things, all these terrible things were happening to me because I was in, she was, she was mean, she was the devil incarnate. And uh, yeah, I would have been on, Queen Chloe is a uh, burn survivor too. She says that nurse would have been on my list. I still think about her from time to time. It's just like, I did get to, say something, speak about her when they came and asked me how my experience had been. And at first I wasn't going to say anything. I was sort of like, well, and then the lady said, anytime somebody says that, they have something to say. So I told them because it is dangerous to treat people that way. But the worst part was that my husband kept wanting to go home and I was getting close to going home. I was getting better. But in my mind, I was very, very afraid because of all these things that had kept happening to me, you know, getting sepsis, getting pneumonia. Get, I was very, very afraid of coming home. 
And, you know, every time Donald caught wind of it, he would pack his bag and I'd be like, I don't think we're going home today. And we wouldn't go home. But finally, the day came. We've got to go home. I can't go back to the third unit, they tell me. I'm medically cleared. I can barely walk. My lungs are messed up. And and I just, I won't forget the day. We were going home and I'm sitting at the front of the hospital and I'm waiting for the truck to come up. My husband drives a big old Nissan Titan. And the little nurse, she asked me, she says, Miss Tanya, do you have any pictures of you? Because I had no face at the time. I said, yeah, I actually do. If you look on my phone here, because we were just renewing our vows a month ago. I was not a big selfie person before this, believe it or not. So um, I got in that truck and I was so scared, y'all. My husband's so happy. He's calling everyone. And I'm just feeling, I'm sitting beside him and I'm just feeling terror. And it's not because I don't think he can take care of me. The nurses have been training him. He's been really paying attention. <sighs> My daughter's, you know, about to start nursing school. But there was something about actually leaving them behind that made me feel sick almost. Now, it passed after I got home and realized I was okay. But just in that moment, you know, we got stuck in Atlanta traffic and it poured and, and the lightning cracked. And I hadn't heard that in about six months. And then in a hospital room, I was shaking by the time I got home and had to be carried. And what I, I'll end this today with what my point of saying, you know, may I please just go back to the burn unit. If you hear your loved one say something like that, it's not because they don't have faith in you or it's not even because they're not feeling well. It's because they're scared of what's next. And that's something we always go over when I interview people on the regular Thurned Ambition podcast um, on, the, on the regular season of it. That's something we always go over it's what's next. And that's what's scaring you. So, yeah, it's like you're leaving your family in a sense. You know these people. And you're going to get to go back because you're going to need reconstruction if you're in a state like I was or like Queen Chloe was. You're going to get to go back. But you are leaving some family behind when you leave the hospital. And, you know, you've been institutionalized, basically. But just know that your loved one or you yourself are afraid of what's next. And that's what you have to figure out. That's what you have to sit back and think about. What am I going to do? And I wish I had been able to think about it at that point. But honestly, when you first go home, you're going to be so sick and tired that you're not going to be able to think about it yet. You're not going to be able to calculate it. You're not going to be able to figure it out. But please know that your fear is about what is to come, not what, let, not what you left behind. I love you guys so much, and I'm going to end this week right here on a good note 
so many of you messaged me. Exactly, the unknown is what scares us. Even though we are nurses, we are unhappy about leaving you. But what's really terrifying us is the unknown, especially when you don't have a face <laughs> and you can't walk and you can't swallow. Uh, I know y'all love me. Y'all keep me going, honestly. I'll answer each of you, each of your messages. But for this week, I will end the podcast. I'm basically on time. And I'll see you next week. We may do something a little different. Maybe just have a Q&A and just have a good talk next week. Because I love doing that and I haven't done that in a while. And I have a lot of new followers. Um, so we might do it just as a live where we can do a Q&A. I'm getting a lot of questions. What happened? And things like that. And if you are looking or you do see this, you can always look at my bio and go into the link and there's a lot of information about what happened. Or just when you look at my page at the top, there's a lot of information about what happened. Until then, just know that the unknown is okay and that whatever you're going through, this too shall pass. I absolutely adore y'all. Remember, subscribe, follow, like, share, and I will see you next week at 7 p.m. Thank you so much. Bye-bye.